You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. Worship me. Say my name. Bill Quiz. Again. Bill Quiz. This is a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to Gifts from the Gods, the unofficial American Gods podcast, a poppychuloradio.com and iTunes exclusive, Poppychulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Sunday, May 7th. 2017, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During tonight's broadcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of Stars's American Gods. Please welcome my co-host, Courtney Grant. Hey, guys. Derek Anthony. Worship me. I mean, hello. Oh, my. Prince Rico Suave. What's going on, people? <sighs> That's my crowd. My posse. Oh, I thought that was something else. And no. Priscilla Rocha. Hey, everybody. I, I, I'm not creative enough to come up with anything new or exciting that way, but just hello. I liked it anyway. Because <laughs> you don't roll. It's because you don't roll with a posse. Right, crew? Right. You see, you hear them? <laughs> That's creepy. Let's jump into our recap of Season 1, Episode 1, which was titled The Bone Orchard and aired April 30th, 2017. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. In 813 CE, a Viking horde arrives at America, where hostilities greet them and force them to leave. In order to get home, they begin to make offerings to Odin. Eventually, they are successful. The wind picks up and they leave. In the present, Shadow Moon is released a few days early from prison when his wife, Laura, dies in a car accident. On the flight home, Shadow meets Wednesday, who offers him a job as a bodyguard. On the drive home, Shadow stops at a bar, where he again meets Wednesday. Shadow learns that his best friend, Robbie, also died in the accident. 
Mad Sweeney introduces himself to Shadow as a leprechaun, and they fight. Shadow wins and earns a golden coin. Shadow attends Laura's funeral and learns that she had been having an affair with Robbie. After the burial, he throws the coin at her grave, where it vanishes into the ground. Leaving the funeral, Shadow is abducted by the Technical Boy, who demands to know about Wednesday. Technical Boy orders his men to kill Shadow, and they proceed to hang him. The noose eventually snaps, freeing Shadow, while his attackers are killed by an unknown assailant. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the episode, and we'll start off with Priscilla. Man, I've been waiting for this. It's like the last two or three times that they've said that it's going to be a movie, or it's going to be on like HBO, and then when it finally got to stars, I'm like, okay, this has to be it. And it was. It, I, I'm, I'm glad I waited for it. Every, everything about this is just, it's a beautiful series. If you miss, like, I don't know, the beauty that was, like, the cinematography of, like, Hannibal, you get it in spades here. The story, I can see, like, is a little bit rickety, but that's just because, like, they're getting everything set up for you. Other than that, like, this is... This is it's a beautiful show. It's great. It's violent. It's awesome. All right now, Prince Rico Suave, your initial reaction to the episode. Um, I'm digging it. Um, I'm still trying to figure it out because I don't really know what's going on. But um, it seems like it's got my attention for now. I give it, you know, the first three episode rules. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Right now, it's got my attention. All right. Derek, your initial reaction. So much blood and so much sex. So I'm good. I'm enjoying. There you go. <laughs> All right. Double scoop of, of, of happiness. And Courtney, your initial reaction to the episode. I actually really liked it. It was um, very gory, but in a sense of like not too gory. And uh, uh, there was a lot of blood for like no reason. <laughs> I feel anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the scenes were really well done. I still, I always kind of, when I start a show, I will continue to watch it throughout, regardless of like if it gets good or bad. I think I did that with like so many different shows that have come on TV all the way down to like the sixth season. So I feel like I'm going to stick with it. I don't know what's going on. I don't think you're going to really know what's going on for the next like few seasons. So I'm just like, I'm a fan. I like it a lot. It's a really cool, you know, theme of what they're doing and the whole gods and um, demons kind of, you know, era. So I like it. All right now. So I will be, I guess, five for five. Uh, enjoying what I'm seeing so far. I really liked the episode. It is gory. It's very sexy. It's uh, It was interesting. A lot of exposition. It's setting things up for what's to come. And I'm in, in it for the ride right now. So uh, before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of American Gods, here's our announcer with a few reminders on how you can interact with us. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Gifts from the Gods. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube, at Poppy Chula Radio. 
Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for Gifts from the Gods and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. So let's get into it. We start off the episode and the series coming to America in 813 CE. So we start off with a gentleman who's writing a story of Vikings coming to America long ago. We don't know this yet, but uh, the gentleman who's writing the story is named Mr. Ibis. And uh, this is the story he writes. The Norsemen discover the inhabit that uh, the inhabitants of the new land that they have discovered are unwelcoming. Yet, they are unable to set sail again due to the lack of wind. There's, there's no air. There's no winds to blow the sail. So, they pray to their god, Odin, to give them some wind. And they even carve a statue in his image. And uh, when that doesn't work, they start uh, basically plucking their eyes out, uh, or an eye out, each in sacrifice, and uh, that still wasn't enough to appease their god to bring some wind in their favor. So they burn one of their own alive, and the wind picks up slightly, so that they so that they know that uh, what they're doing is starting to appease their god. And once they remember that their god is a war god, they engage in a bloody battle against each other, killing uh, the other until the wind picks up enough for them to set sail again. And so they do, wounds and all, they get back into their ship and uh, they uh, make a pact to never speak of the new world again. And it wasn't until a hundred years later that Leif Erikson finds Odin still waiting with his war. So, let's talk about this opening scene of uh, old gods and uh, the old country discovering the new country. What did we think of this? Was this a good taste to the series? Were you confused by this opening scene? Let's discuss uh, Coming to America. We'll start off with it, Derek. It let you know right up front that there was going to be a whole lot of blood. There will be blood. I think that there was a movie. Will be, there will be blood. And some cool-ass shots. Because the whole that death by arrow thing, I've really done that. Yeah, all the arrows hitting the one guy. They turned dude into a pincushion. Yes, he was a porcupine. He was a porcupine. Um, yeah, I it, it was it was good and violent, and children should be in bed by nine o'clock. Okay, was the opening scene impactful for anyone else? What What did y'all think of the opening? I really liked the opening. I. 
kind of um again you kind of don't know what's going on you're just kind of following their journey it's the kind of like an opening of like whatever book or movie that you would originally watch and i think that they i think they did a really good job i love the fact that they didn't they didn't get shot if they didn't cross the arrow the line of arrows they were like the worst that you're safe just get off of our land kind of thing it was really good i love the um i love the shots that they do um throughout the whole show so yeah it was nice it looked good prince um i just liked it, it i felt like it was just kind of giving you an eye opener of what's to come so i kind of just like the whole foreshadowing of what was to come with from it okay and priscilla it's, it's very 300 like the blood almost looks like red ribbons going up like it's, it's just it's <laughs> it, it's real cinematic like you forget you're seeing like you're seeing a bunch of people die like yeah. it's it it looks pretty um i just i i, I appreciate that you kind of get the feeling like this is why it's called american gods this isn't just going to be like a story about like just like one guy it's going to be about like the journey like a travel like showing the lore behind like a couple of like really violent things and it was cool like it's, it's cool how they give a shout out to odin that way yeah, I thought it was a really neat way to open up the series, and much like what Derek said, it showed us that this was going to be very bloody, uh, that uh, that we were going to see some sort of war maybe start brewing, and um, yeah, I, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was beautifully shot. Uh, you can't go wrong with the Brian Fuller show. Like He usually uses very bright colors really great cinematography a lot of symbolism and it was really interesting to see all of that in the opening scene so we pick up in present day with our main character shadow moon uh, who's uh, locked up in prison and uh he's uh he was locked up for aggravated assault and he's been there for three years but he's going to be released from prison in five days and um, he's out in the yard with his cellmate Loki Lysmith and uh, he he sort of senses something in the air like a storm is brewing and uh, he uh, he shares that feeling with his cellmate Loki and later in a phone call with his wife Laura Moon and she reveals that uh, she and his best friend uh, Robbie are planning a surprise party for him when he comes home in a couple of days so later on that night he sees a vision of his wife the um the the roof of the cell sort of like opens up and he sees uh, his wife say goodnight to him and when he dreams, he dreams of an orchard full of skulls and bones and this huge tree with branches that reach out for him. And one of the branches uh, slashes his cheek and a noose drops in front of him. And uh, that morning, he's awoken by a prison guard that takes him to the warden. And the warden uh, informs Shadow of his wife's death in a car accident 
that morning. And uh, he's also going to be released uh, a couple days early. He's actually going to be released that day in order to attend uh, her funeral. So we'll pause right here and break some stuff down. So what did we think of the introduction of Shadow Moon? Do you think that um, that that scene, that very short scene where like the heavens parted and he saw his wife, was that a premonition of her death maybe? Was she, you know, saying farewell from, you know, the heavens down to her husband? And uh, yeah, and what did we think of that first dream in the bone orchard we'll start off with priscilla is is it weird that like i don't know because i'm from like a real catholic place like i see like a woman like with her hands like folded across her chest like with blue around her and automatically i think of like the virgin mary like and stuff like that as a shout out so that's what I was thinking of, I was thinking of something like heavenly going on. And as soon as that happened, I'm like, okay, if you see her like that, that is not a good sign. You're not getting like, you're like, you're not getting your wife back the, like the way that you'd want her to. Like that is, that is a goodbye. Mm. And to have it later come out that like, no, you, you, you're getting time off. Like you, you, you get to leave early, but your wife's dead. Like you don't have anyone to go back home to like, God, like it, it's like one of those like jokes that, 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 that has a, that has a real shit ending. Like nobody's happy with this, but, and all I, I kind of want to know more about, the dream world that he's in like there has to be something important about like the noose like it made me think of like which of these like gods are like the hanged gods the ones that like require like sacrifice that way or is it because of racial identity that you have like this like tree with a hanged man and he's a criminal and he's black like what what's What's going on with this? I want to know more. It ah, Fuller shows you get like one. You, you get the answer to one question, and you get ten more afterwards. But I'm not mad at it. Yeah, that that is very true. Derek, what about you? What did you think of uh, the Bone Orchard in particular? Um, I just thought that was going to be a whole lot of death. I, I wasn't sure what it was about, but I knew it was not going to be a good thing. But I will say this. Um, I knew that I was going to be a fan of the show when they introduced Shadow because Ricky Whittle, I'm just going to follow him wherever he goes. Will you follow him into uh, the Bone Orchard? I will like, follow him into the... Now, I might not stay there very long. Oh, okay. sure. I mean, I'd be tempted to follow him into the Bone Orchard for a while. Were you into him in the 100? I did not see the 100. This is my very first introduction to him. And, I've, and I have since heard about him from people once I expressed an interest in him that he has this whole body of work that I need to check out along with a body of work that <laughs> got hacked the 100? On the <laughs> <laughs> he has his own bone orchard from what I understand oh, oh my, my. Uh, 
Yeah, Fritz, you like the violence. I like the sex. Uh, I see. We have the yin and the yang, y'all, on the podcast. Good grief. Emphasis on yang. I don't know what that means, but sure. All right, so do we think that Shadow Moon can uh, has some sort of um what's the right word premonitiony type of uh i don't know if we want to call it abilities because all of a sudden i'm gonna start calling him a mutant or something but do we think he he has sort of like the gift of premonition because he did say what he said in in the yard where he was like you know i have a feeling you know something's coming you know like a storm's brewing and then there was a storm and if he had this sort of lucid dream where uh, the skies parted and his wife looking as heavenly and uh, Virgin Mary-ish as she can, you know, basically said goodbye to him. And then all of a sudden he's having these dreams that are obviously going to be very symbolic of things to come in the series. Do we think he has some sort of like premonition-y type of... uh, I don't know if we want to call it psychic-y, but like, you know, just premonition type of ability. Like, can he, um, you know, there are a lot of people out there that that can sense things that are coming. There are a lot of people that have, like, premonitions. So is that something we can all agree on? Well, this is what I was thinking. Because he's in jail and he's been in jail, you have to learn how to kind of read the atmosphere from what I've heard. I've never been in jail myself okay Um, this isn't personal experience no this is not word on the streets right exactly Uh, i'm I'm asking for a friend um (laughs) but you kind of in order to like watch your own back you kind of have to be able to read the room and so i think that just comes from being in a confined space with so many other people you need to be able to tell when tension is high and when you know when something's coming okay so so derek does not believe in psychics we just got that from his answer so uh, he's a realist uh prince or, or courtney do you think he has some sort of psychic-y premonition i don't i don't think he has it i think almost like the guy that he's working for kind of like did that like there's some other uh, there's something else kind of guiding him towards whatever he is supposed to do. I don't, I, and he's just kind of like witnessing it, or you know, I feel like all of us have that kind of like feeling, like if something's gonna go wrong, or something bad's gonna happen, or something good's gonna happen. It's just kind of like, man, I really feel like this is something's up, like something's going on, or I shouldn't be here. Or I know that things could change. I feel like that's what he's. Um, going through just on a a higher level i feel for the show you know okay so derek is a realist uh courtney believes he's on some sort of faded path uh what about the our other two prince or priscilla rps are left Uh, do you believe he might have some sort of premonition type of something or are you uh, agreeing with either derek or courtney i think this in this world that we're dealing with like with gods that there's there are a lot of things that we can't like completely define i think that he's not going to be like 
I don't know, like the next like mutant, the one that the one with the abilities, the gifts. Like, I, I, I don't think it's that, but I do think it's more of a. There's a, something's a little supernatural about him, maybe. That. Okay. Uh, yeah, that that that's what I feel like. He, he doesn't necessarily have a power so much as like he comes from that sort of background is what I feel. Okay, I like that. Everyone has their own little theory, and I'm approving of it. Uh, Prince, do you agree with anybody, or do you have your own little spin on uh, what you think no, is happening? I kind of, I kind of just I'm going with the like, I'm kind of gonna let it just because I don't really know what's going on with this story. I'm gonna kind of just take its course and see how it goes, plays out. But like Priscilla said, you don't really know it could be anything. There's gods involved, and like. Anything can be possible. Okay. I like it. Alright, let's continue on with our story. So, Shadow is released from prison. He arrives at the airport, and uh, he tries to exchange uh, the ticket that uh, Laura had bought him to Eagle Point from Friday to Tuesday. And uh, the airline attendant is... Uh, not having it basically and he uh, has a vision of his cellmate Loki in the airport and that leads him to remember a story that Loki had shared with him basically uh, about another inmate who uh, had handed a woman at uh, the airport an expired ID and it was arguing with her and uh she basically called security on him and went back to prison. So the moral of the story was, do not piss off those bitches in airports. <laughs> Which is, I think it's a good moral for all of us t to have uh, in the back yes. of our mind. Yeah. I fucking cracked up when, like, you're, you're there waiting for him to say, to, to say something deep. And, like, the, the moral of this story is, keep a lookout, like, or something... The moral of the story is don't piss off those bitches at airports. Like, geez, he's just so great. I love it. It's fantastic. And Shadow ends up paying uh, with his credit card for a flight out. And uh, for, for the flight out the next day. So he spends the night in the airport. He leaves a voicemail for Robbie. And uh, when he wakes up, uh, he sees a man walking up to the counter requesting a first class ticket. He seems sort of confused and senile, and uh, it, it basically, um, he starts causing a scene. And so the, f the airline attendant hurries him into first class anyway, even though uh, he probably shouldn't be there in the first place. And so Shadow boards the flight, and he finds that his seat has already been taken by someone else who was assigned the same seat and the mm. only seat that is left is available in first class so he's seated next to the old man from before who's now coherent and clear-headed he had scammed his way into a first class ticket and he greets shadow with a jack and coke and they start getting into a conversation and um, the man is very astute and uh, basically tells shadow that uh, shadow's just gotten out of prison he introduces himself as oh what day is it today wednesday mr wednesday and asks uh Shadow a little bit about his story, and Shadow reveals that it was small-time casinos, and and 
does a coin trick for him. And um, Wednesday tells him that he uses people's faith to con them. And uh, he even does this whole thing of like, you know, what is really going on with us here on an airplane? It, is it Isaac Newton? Is it faith that holds us up in the air? And, and that whole thing. And um, Wednesday offers Shadow a job, but Shadow declines because his best friend Robbie has a job for him at his gym once, you know, ready for him once he got out of jail. So they end up falling asleep, and Shadow dreams of the Bone Orchard again, a white buffalo with flames coming out of his eyes, tells Shadow to believe. And Shadow wakes up. And he finds out that the flight had been diverted and that the next flight to Eagle Point would not be available until the next day. So he rents a car and starts driving instead. And he ends up pulling over at the Shackamack State Park and he screams over a cliff. And this is where we will stop and we will break things down. So let's talk about the introduction to Mr. Wednesday and uh, all of the those old people will get you every time it sounds like derek has some life experience that he might be willing to share with us in a moment and we'll also talk about our second trip to the bone orchard and if you see a white buffalo with flames coming out of its eyes would you do what it says believe so let's start off with uh, prince um I just want to know where I can get one of those buffaloes. I would, I would, yeah. I saw the buffalo and I was like, I think Prince might wa- want one. I definitely want one. It can play with um, Twisty. It could. Oh my god, it can both hide under my bed. Oh my god, it'd be freaking incredible. But I definitely I'm want one of those buffaloes. I'm scared to see what's under Prince's bed. I know, right? All the bodies, all the bone orchards. No, you don't put the bodies in the bed. Why do you think my backyard's a marsh? That's where the bodies go. So, besides that, um, I I enjoyed Mr. Wednesday. I liked his smart aleck attitude. I liked how he's a, he's a scammer. He made me think of Joanne the scammer, just not as attractive. Yes, he's a stunt queen. Yes, and um, you know, I'm interested to see kind of how this whole. Um, Journey plays out between him and uh, wait, you just Shadow. compared Mr. Wednesday to Joanne the scammer. I so did. That's funny. If you don't know who that is, Google listeners, and the visuals are funny. But yeah, definitely. I want to see uh, where him and Shadow's little adventure is gonna how that's gonna play out. I'm oh. intrigued. Okay. All right, so you approve of Mr. Wednesday's stunts and shows? Oh, hell yeah, he's a scammer. Gotta give props to scammers. I just found out I had a catfish. I was like, scam the fuck on. Like, do it. Support the scammers. (laughs) Support the scammers, guys. They're just trying to hustle. Okay. I guess that's another moral to the story that we're learning. Yeah, you 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 can't knock somebody for trying to make a living for themselves. As long as they ain't killing nobody. Well, that's true. Derek, you're our bone orchard specialist. Yes. 
What did you um, think of our second trip and the white buffalo with the flames saying, okay. believe, believe? That is much like the house whispering to you, get out. I tend to get out. So the, the buffalo breathing fire and brimstone and shit. Okay, whatever you say, dog. Yeah, where's the exit? No, but it doesn't say get out. <laughs> You're supposed to no, say, I will but believe. The fact it's talking and breathing fire. That means I'm going to take it serious. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I don't really deal with, with fire breathing animals, except drag. Because they're fun. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, any other thoughts from Priscilla or Courtney on Mr. Wednesday, or uh, the Bone Orchard, or uh, Shadow taking um, a moment to himself uh, at the park? It's, it's, ah, uh, like, I, I, I don't know whether I'm allowed to say anything, it's just like, <laughs> the, the, you've been given a lot of hints as to who Mr. Wednesday is with just yeah. this one scene. So, like, if you're, like... If you're an avid, like, mythology buff, like, you know who, the, who Mr. Wednesday really is and, and, and you, you're hyped for it. But bearing that in mind, leaving that up to the listener for you guys to figure that out, Ian McShane is a beast. Like, he takes, like, a character, like, who... Could, who could easily lean towards scumbag because he's cause he's scamming on people. He's and he's cocky and arrogant, but he manages to make it super classy and like make it so. Yes, this random person sitting next to you in first class is offering you a job that is completely normal, and and I would take the job. Like it, it makes it seem normal, and. I love the fact that Ian McShane did that. Like, he did the damn thing. He has not lost his charm since Deadwood. Like, I, I, I'm just in awe. When I was reading the book that this was based off of, I, I, I didn't necessarily picture him as Mr. Wednesday, but seeing it now, like, he fills the role perfectly. Love it. I like it. I will say that um, I, I really was impressed by Ricky Whittle's acting in, in the short scene that we saw of him where Shadow like has had time to sort of like decompress everything that's happened up mm-hmm. until that point and um, you know just a screaming over the cliff you know basically mm-hmm. he needed a moment to himself and uh, I thought that was so primal yeah it was and um, yeah it made me really feel for Shadow So, somewhere in America, we see a young woman uh, entering, she's in a bar, I should say, uh, waiting for her date with a man that she's met online. Uh, Her name is Bilquis, and uh, she, they end up having like a little bit of conversation, and um, 
she she gets some compliments from him we learn a little bit about him basically his uh, kids had encouraged him to go online to find a date and find someone that will make him happy and all this kind of stuff and she asks him if she doesn't if he doesn't think that she looks spent and uh, he replies that she is sexy and uh, he tells her that she's perfect and uh, so uh, she ends up taking him back to her place into her bedroom a room that is uh, bathed in red and um, he's like are you sure you know I, I was maybe we should wait until later and she basically says you know yes and, and yes and so uh, they begin to have sex with Bill Quiss uh, guiding him. And uh, she asks him to worship her with his words and uh, his body and uh, to pray to her. And so he starts worshiping her with his words. And uh, he starts uh, exuding all these wonderful words of praise to her as uh, she rides him. And uh, he prays to her. He says he will worship her. That he will love her. And uh, while she's riding him, she slowly starts to swallow him from the waist down. Telling him not to stop and to give her his body and his life in in which he says he he will as he's uh, screaming in ecstasy wondering what she's doing and finally as uh, his head slips into her his uh his his the head on top of his body <laughs> slips into her because that could have been taken anyway um he basically tells her that he loves her and so she finishes consuming him uh, and uh, she relaxes rejuvenated by his willing sacrifice so let's get into bilquis i love me some bilquis and so you um, had to say let's get into <laughs> yes let's get wow. into bilquis okay so, we've learned already on this podcast that our lover of gore and blood and death is Prince Rico Suave. We've also learned that our lover of sex is Derek Anthony. So, Derek, yeah. what did you think of Bilquist? Did she make an impression on you? Bilquist is my favorite character so far. Um, I mean, why would you not want people that you're having sex with to worship you? She gave it her all. She changed that man's religion. And then she absorbed him into herself. She took him into her womb, the place where, where life is given. And apparently life goes with it that end. Um, yeah, again, I'm going to use the word primal. That scene was just really primal and i had to rewind and watch it again i know right it was good i'll have some more information on the inspiration of bill quist later on in the podcast listeners but let's okay. talk about this scene though so bill quist um the ever consuming I bill mean, quist I, just, I love her bedroom i love the candles I could go on. Man, you're, you're going into a red room with someone that you just met online. Like, you know 
shit is about to go down and not necessarily a good stuff because that tells you right like that's like a sign like oh wait this ain't no valentine's suite i gotta get the fuck up out of here oh wait prince is your bedroom red so what are y'all saying Um, actually my walls are it's like damn i can hate you people (laughs) 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 my walls are yes my walls are like um i would if it's in the dark, it's like a blood red. If the light's on, it's like a power red. Your bedroom walls or your shingle wall? My bedroom walls. Okay. Both. You know, you know. <laughs> I work in the field where there's a lot of blood. So, you know what I mean? I work in the medical field. That's why I do this. I do this. Oh, That's this. I like this shit. This but, entire yeah, conversation is creeping me out. But continue on. Scene. Was not feeling the scene whatsoever. Like, if I wasn't like on the fence like that shit would have turned me straight gay like yo she scared the shit out of me man <laughs> i felt so bad for that poor guy like all he wanted maybe, was a date he yeah, you like, know maybe had it been like i don't know like some creep who was like hitting on her at a bar like then i would have been like yeah man fuck him i don't care but this is a guy who like was being like persuaded by his like grant like by his like sons to like go out and have a good time finally and you he and to like hammer it in even more that he's a good guy like they she the first thing he says when he's in her room is like are you are you sure like i i want to see you again like we we can wait for this later like it just goes to show like he was a good guy and now he's now he's whatever goddess feed to make her young and beautiful again. Not that she wasn't young, like beautiful. Like she, she In was already world? had like something like I don't know, pa- mysterious and powerful about her. Like beforehand, at the very beginning, when she's like, "You don't think I'm spent?" I'm like, "Uh, no. You're no. really pretty." Yeah. Oh, Bill but, Chris! Fuck! Like uh, this, this, this was a, a. Um, I remember when this came out in the book. Uh, a lot of people were wondering, like, this is like something that you can't film without it looking like cartoonish or looking stupid. But they, they, they managed to do it. Like it, it, it was in the middle of the act that you were like, wait, wait. wait she's not getting bigger is she like what his, right. his head's just getting like smaller and oh oh no she's eating him okay all right all right all right all right, all right. and then he's literally gone. Yeah. yeah in the words of the immortal 1988 joker if you gotta go go with a smile and he did I felt bad for both of them, oddly enough. I felt bad for him, obviously, because he seemed like a very genuine and nice person, much like what Priscilla was saying, and and the fact that if it had been some sort of, like, skeevy dude, like, oh, you know, nice tits, you know, show me your ass or something like that, like, we wouldn't feel as bad, but because he, he genuinely seemed like a nice older man that was looking for love again, or that was opening himself up to love again, it made you feel bad for him, and I felt bad for her because, obviously, she is a um a goddess with this um immense power 
but like that she felt that that she didn't look good like she she's a goddess with her own insecurities which i thought was a little sad that that means that for me at least i I took that to mean that maybe she might have some sort of tragic ish backstory which made me feel a little sad for her well i don't know what she is the god of yet clearly she is a god uh dealing with love and sexuality so yeah if nobody is worshiping her then i could see where um i could see where she would have those insecurities you know if you've been living off if you've been living off that body yaddy yaddy you know, and that beauty, so to speak. That uchi wale wale uchi bang bang. Yeah, people just aren't, you know, praising you anymore. Then you have to start asking some tough questions. Am, am I not pretty? <laughs> yes. Yes, I agree. Alright, so let's continue on. We pick up uh, the we pick up the next day and uh we find, well, we don't know if it's the next day. It might be later on that day, because all we know is Shadow has been driving. Shadow has arrived at uh, Jack's Crocodile Bar, where uh, Jack offers him her chili. Literally. Um, and uh, Shadow ends up heading to the bathroom, where Mr. Wednesday appears from a bathroom stall. And once again, he's offering him a job. And uh, Shadow is, like, frustrated now, and is basically like, fuck off, like, I, I said no. But he's he, being Mr. Wednesday, is like, you know, you think you have a job? Well, I don't think you have a job waiting for you, because your best friend, Robbie Burton, is dead and um he shows shadow newspaper clipping or newspaper with uh, an article on the car crash and um yeah and and basically the the article says that robbie also died in the accident that killed laura so um shadow admits to wednesday that he's broke and jobless but uh, he'll only work for Wednesday based on the flip of a coin. Wednesday calls heads, and uh, Shadow is surprised to discover that it is heads when uh, he rigged the toss. So uh, Wednesday goes to the bar for some drinks, and uh, Mad Sweeney approaches Shadow to warn him about Wednesday, and uh, Mad Sweeney uh, introduces himself as a leprechaun, and uh, Wednesday returns with three shots of mead for Shadow to drink to basically um, sign the deal, basically, or to sort of like to shake on the deal. And uh, Shadow takes the first shot, and uh, then uh, they go into as he's taking the shots. They go into like what exactly Shadow will be doing. Shadow will be his driver and bodyguard and uh, will hold a vigil upon Wednesday's death. And Shadow agrees to $2,000 a week on the condition that he won't hurt anyone for fun or profit and that he will quit if Wednesday pisses him off. And so Shadow takes the second shot to seal the deal and the third shot as the charm. And Wednesday spits on his hand and they shake. 
So Sweeney starts pulling real gold coins out from everywhere, and Shadow asks how he does that trick, and Sweeney tells him that it's the easiest trick in the world just to pluck them out of air. And Shadow once again asks about the trick, and Sweeney challenges him to a fight for the answer. Shadow declines, but Sweeney keeps on egging him on. He starts insulting uh, Lore and Shadow, ends up punching him in the face. And so then this big brawl ends up happening in uh, the bar, and uh, they keep on fighting until Shadow blacks out. So, um, let's pause here. Because we can discuss all things with the deal as well as Mad Sweeney. Can I start off by saying I thought Jack's Crocodile Bar was fucking awesome. Like, I love that the bar was the, the head of the crocodile. And that the lights were the teeth of the crocodile. I thought that was a... I don't know if that's a real place or if that was just a set. I'm assuming it was just a set. But that was a beautiful set. I thought that was awesome. I agree with you. Yeah, I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. So, um, so Priscilla, what did you think of the deal and uh, the introduction to Mad Sweeney? Man, I, I felt bad for the reasoning why. Like, he, he was so confident in saying that, like, no, like, I'm going to... I, I have a job lined up. My friend Robbie's got like a job for me. And then he's, he's like, no, take, take a look at this newspaper article. And that's when you find out both of them were together. And like at, at that point, like the, the things started adding up. I'm like, why were, why were those two in the car together? And a more innocent side of me is like, maybe they were planning your party together. Oh, no. you're so sweet. But, that 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 is that is not what was going. They were they were planning a party, but it wasn't for him. Um, oh my! I I I loved also the fact that like you have this guy who's a grifter who's been been in prison who's seen some shit and just been like, you know what? Fine, I'll work for you so long as you have better luck than I do because obviously I have real shit luck. And he he did it and. I, I like how that that sort of theme with a coin continues with like Mad Sweeney, who, by the way, someone had to tell me afterwards what is is a porn stash from Orange Is the New Black, and I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. No way! Guy looks completely different, but um, yeah, I was just that that whole thing that this that this this episode just kind of showed clearly is that it can take something that's really gory and make it look artistic and that's kind of how it was with the brawl with for for, for the coins afterwards as soon as he said he, he mentioned shit about like his wife I'm like oh that that's you, you hit the money like you hit that that button that you're that, about that, to get what you asked for uh-huh I, I I applauded in real life. I was like, you know what? You you handled yourself. You kept up. You kept going. Like you could have just like been down for the count, but no. Like so good. Good on you, Shadow. Moon. I don't think that's who Shadow is. I think I don't think that's who Shadow is. I don't think he's a person to just lay down. I mean, because at this point, he's got every reason in the world to lay down. The only reason he was, you know, 
apparently we we kind of get the sense he was a model prisoner in jail, um, mm-hmm. and it was so that he could get out and get back to his wife and get back to his life with her. Um, and then he had all this stuff planned out, and literally in the last twenty four hours, it has all come crashing down. Um, yeah, you know he's lost his wife. Now he's lost his best friend and his job. So, I mean, a, a lot of other people have been like, you know what? Whatever. I'm going back to jail. You know, I, I'm I ain't fucking with this. But that's not who Shadow is. He doesn't seem to be that back down type of person. Okay, this is yet another challenge. I get a, I guess I better help and rise to it before the next one rolls around. So, all right. So, Shadow ends up waking up after the bar brawl and uh, all the drinking in the car on their way to Eagle Point, and the car is being driven by Mr. Wednesday. He's actually in Mr. Wednesday's car, uh, as opposed to uh, the rental that he had. And uh, Shadow finds Mad Sweeney's gold coin. And uh, Wednesday says that Sweeney taught him the coin trick. Shadow ends up cleaning up in a gas station bathroom before dropping Wednesday off at a motel and taking Betty, a.k.a. Wednesday's car, to the church for Laura's funeral. At the church, he uh, he arrives, uh, he's late, he arrives sort of like mid uh, um mid uh funeral and Who needs uh to be there for the beginning it's just a whole lot of singing and praying and up on your up and down on your knees and up again well there you go and uh he ends up finding a spot in a pew next to audrey burton robbie's wife and laura's best friend and um they start talking and and uh audrey is um it's very aggressive, and uh, Shadow doesn't really know why. She starts sort of like uh, dissing and, and, and insulting Laura, and um, Shadow tells her that he's sorry about Robbie, and then she realizes that Shadow doesn't know the truth, and uh, she decides to spit that knowledge to Shadow and informs him that Laura died with Robbie's cock in her mouth. So the funeral proceeds to the grave site, and uh, Shadow stays there until the grave is filled. Uh, and um, he doesn't understand why Laura would cheat on him. He had worked so hard uh, on improving himself, his life, uh, and uh, you know while he was in prison, so that they could have a better life than they had when he was going in. And he tosses Mad Sweeney's gold coin onto her grave. Audrey stumbles over. She's uh, doped up on three Ativan pills. And she had just finished pissing on Robbie's grave. And um, she uh, starts talking to Shadow about, like, that she had, like, pieced the puzzle together about. how long they had been having the affair 
and uh, she goes into great detail about Robbie's uh, dick being um, basically cut off in the crash and what she told the coroner to do with it. Um, she wanted it to stay where it was after they, he died, but obviously the coroner was not going to keep it in Laura's mouth and they had to do all this reconstructive surgery. Yeah, reconstructive surgery on Laura and all this kind of stuff. And um, she's pissed that she'll never get the closure that she needs. Uh, she starts crying. She offers him a hug. Uh, she's impressed by his new uh, post-prison physique. And uh, she decides to create her own version of closure. An eye for an eye. A blowjob for a blowjob. So she offers to... Um, orally pleasure um shadow moon and to take his deposit and spit it all over robbie's grave gives a whole new meaning to the term i spit on your grave mm -hmm. and um he refuses he comforts her she cries and as he's doing that we see that uh, mad sweeney's gold coin slowly sinks into the dirt on Laura's grave. So let's pause right here and let's digest everything. That might have been a worse choice of words, but um uh, can I liked yes. where they went with it because I don't know if you were gonna mention this or not, but um the A V club got to chat with the showrunner mm -hmm. who said okay, that, I, I that was gonna mention it if you didn't <laughs> well good we're both on the ball but um that so is Laura this th no that this scene was supposed to like evolve into like a blowjob it was supposed to happen but um when they told Neil Gaiman this he's just kind of like what no that is not what I wanted for like the the character that that doesn't make sense for like him like he'd he'd be mourning laura he would never want to do something like this like especially like right after this so no like i i this this is a travesty like you can't have this on the episode and so they decided because of that like because he reacted so strongly against it that that it was just going to be cut off into something like like this where he says no and I I, re I approve of, of that because it it makes him a different sort of character. It doesn't make him like the guy who's hard up for a woman after like a prison sentence. It, it instead it makes him the guy who's mourning his wife, who he actually loved. The guy who's confused. The guy who's actually a good person. Like, mm -hmm. and I I don't know. I I loved. I loved that they did that. And I love how fucking messy Audrey is like that that, that whole bit where she's like I they, they they asked me what I want like what I wanted to do and I said to to leave it where it was. Oh god, I started cracking up watching it and just being like, you know what? Good. He, he, she, she, his dick should have stayed where it was. Like Man, she's messy in all the best ways. I love it. Yeah, I completely <laughs> agree. I haven't read the book, so I don't know if what we saw mirrors the book. Is that how I mean, it happened in the, the book? book? She behaved differently. 
in the book she behaves differently like it's it's not it's not nearly as like pitchfork like it's, it's like there's it, it's a small bit scene like it's not what it is now in, okay. in the episode i like what we saw in the episode and i'm glad that they didn't go the route that they initially planned because it would have made shadow completely unsympathetic and up until this point we're on his side and that would have completely changed his character in my opinion and from what i've read about the book i haven't read the book i read that um shadow is almost kind of very gruff and asshole-ish in the book and if that is how he is in the book then they softened him up a bit in a good way in the series and made him a lot more sympathetic i haven't read the book so i was hoping priscilla would say yes he was he is he is he's like kind of turdish there's i i it's i wouldn't say he's he's that so much as like he's it's easier in the book to have him be kind of like a non-entity because like it's easier for you to be to be the the self-insert character mm-hmm. for you to become Shadow Moon. Like whereas in this the series I feel like they're giving him a personality. They're giving him something for you to look at and to be like this is the guy to follow as opposed to I'm the person in the book. Do you get what I mean? Like that might have been a little bit confusing. But yeah, they're giving him a personality. They're 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 letting they're letting him be someone. Okay. What about you, Derek? Well, all I remember is that in the book, the wife, um, Laura, that her name. Hmm. Yeah, she has zero time and zero tolerance for him. You know, her husband died cheating on her with his wife. And every time I see you, I just want to scratch your eyes out. I just don't have time for you. Well, there you go. Shout out to Audrey. The actress was fantastic. Like, she played high on three pills slash drunk very well. Like, I was, I bought it. Like, I was living that moment with her. There's this thing that you do, like your face does, when you don't want to break, when you don't want to cry, where you're like your upper lip gets like really stiff and still, but like the bottom lip like just kind of like quivers, like and and it doesn't stop, and you you can't do it. And the actress was doing it the entire time, and I was like, holy shit! Like she she does the whole. I want to come off as more controlled than what it is than than what I am right now. My life is in a tailspin. Like th- yeah. that that is ah oh, I I just I love that scene. And that coin, man, that coin is signals bad shit coming along. Yeah, without if you know more, let's not spoil, but so Let's theorize, if you have any theories. Like, does anybody feel like they know what that means? Um, I do not. I am clueless. I just think of, like, other mythology where, like, you'd put, like, 
the gold coins to have your person cross over from like beyond the grave like Mm -hmm. Egyptians would do that and stuff and it just makes me think that you would have the same sort of thing happen here where she gets to stay based on the fact that like he paid the fa- the, the the way and again this is like nothing to do with the book this is just me like theorizing mm-hmm. like that. an offering so I, to the gods yeah for her to stay and no that was a messy person obviously that is a messy death you do not want that in in your life but we'll see what happens in Greek mythology, you have to pay the fairy, pay the toll, pay the fairy man to take you to the next realm. I like that. And so that's kind of what that would be. Yeah, good grief. That's going to come bite somebody back in the ass. Probably Shadow. Poor Shadow. Like he ain't got enough problems. All right. I know. Speaking of problems. So Shadow walks back from the graveyard, and as he's walking in the street, the streetlights go out. And he sees something curious, uh, curiouser and curiouser, out in uh, the the grass. It, it seems as if fireflies are swarming over a box. And so he goes to, like, check it out, and uh, the box opens and attaches itself to his face, transporting him into a virtual reality world. And he's seated at one end of a long room. It was almost kind of like the the inside of a limo with uh, Technical Boy on the other end. And uh, Technical Boy's children, quote-unquote children, sit on either side of Shadow, prepared to hit him if he doesn't answer Technical Boy's questions. So uh, Technical Boy starts blowing O's of uh, synthetic toad skin uh, vape (laughs) smoke continuously into Shadow's face as he grills him about Wednesday, basically asking him what's Wednesday up to, why are you working for him, all this kind of stuff. And he discovers that Shadow basically knows nothing. Uh, Shadow just started working for Wednesday. So he tells his children to kill Shadow, explaining that he can delete and overwrite Shadow with uh, the touch of a button. So Shadow is transported back to the side of the road where the children beat him and then lynch him from a tree. The rope, although, suddenly breaks and he falls to the ground as the children are massacred in front of him by an unknown force. There's a whole lot of blood, a whole lot of children's parts, and uh, there was an awesome shot of one of the children being sliced in half. Yep. That was beautiful. So, let's talk about this. Uh, Let me give a little bit of information on, on technical boy so technical boy is basically one of the new gods and he is the new god of technology in the book 
his role is completely different. Um, in the book, I believe he's described as like a fat young man with the long black coats and acne on his face and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. In the kid that lives in his parents' basement. Yeah, and in in the TV series, he's more sort of like a more like punk type of kid, and um, this character is. Uh, the most changed from what I read uh, from the novel to the series because the internet has evolved immensely since the novel was written back in 2001. So Technical Boy's Mm -hmm. powers and abilities and his uh, whole characterization is completely changed. So let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about Technical Boy, his uh, children, and uh, our cliffhanger with uh, the children getting massacred in front of Shadow Moon. Man, I'm just gonna say shout out to like <laughs> our Legion podcast because they always bring back the frogs <laughs> during doing drugs. <laughs> it's just a thing. Uh, that but, is true. <laughs> I I liked it. Like I, I when he's like don't with me and like he just and he hits him i'm like i like i flinched watching and i was like holy shit and i i liked that shadow moon he's he's a he's a real man like he he realized that like he's he's in a situation that like he's like he's not gonna get the best the the best end out of this like with all of the children going after him with a with with a mysterious creature like with all this technology against him, but he still like sticks up for himself. Like, I don't know. Like I see it and I'm, I'm amazed. And I'm guessing that this part where, where he gets like hung, that that's where the weird hanging, like the noose from, from the tree. The yeah. Ball, from yeah. the tree came from. Mm-hmm. And, also, like a little like shout out, like the the the, the children remind me of like uh, a a Clockwork Orange, mm-hmm. like the bullies there. So I thought that was really cool. Like I, all of this is real stylistic and beautiful, and man, I just I I loved it. I thought the effects were really cool. Like I liked how. As Technical Boy was like talking to him, he would turn into, I don't even know what you would call it, because it was almost like claymation y, but obviously it's its technology. So he'd turn into like really overexposed, um, like an overexposed screen type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like that was really cool. Um, I liked that um, technical boys world is like vr which i thought that was kind of awesome it was weird it, like the fireflies or whatever you want to call it, i guess they were like just flickering like lights from that like that emanated from the vr i thought that effect was really neat i thought all the smoking effects were really cool like those perfect o's that kept on surrounding surrounding shadow moon i thought that was really neat as well and I thought uh, Technical Boy did a really good job of sort of like encompassing a, a Twitter egg, basically, sort of like a troll. You know, uh, he, he was like trolling 
uh, Shadow Moon for like the answers. I, I thought he was like the epitome of like the internet, which was kind of cool. Man, although like that, there's there's some powerful imagery there to be seen with like a black man being like lynched and hung what? by a bunch of like white. Yeah, creatures. white pale faces. Mm-hmm. I am looking forward to see who the hell saved his life. Yeah, somebody with a lot of power. I think he saved himself. Oh. Well, here's my thing. <sighs> Um, just because he got picked, just because he got picked, and I, if his cellmate is who I think his cellmate was, then it seems like he was primed to do this, and maybe the reason why he was primed to do this is because he is one of them, or he's an American demigod or something. Um, there's just, there's a lot of things that work in his favor that way. His name alone is just not a name that one would normally have. Um. You've never met a Shadow Moon? I've never met a Shadow Moon. I've actually met a Silver Moon before, but I think he changed his name after the fact. Oh, okay. I have no idea what happened. So I, I I don't have a theory. I'm fascinated to find out what happened, though. Because either he saved himself or someone really powerful saved him for a particular reason. And what side are they on? Because if this is sort of like a, a battle between uh, the old and the new, uh, then one would assume that it would have to be an old god saving his life if a new god like technical boy was trying to take him out already Mm -hmm. so uh, right now it's time for the ancient god spotlight and uh, tonight's spotlight is on bilquis so in the series bilquis is uh an old goddess of love and uh I researched some interesting information on the inspiration for Bilquis. Bilquis is historically known by a few names, but mostly commonly as the Queen of Sheba. She shows up in a myriad cultures and religions as a figure of legend and doesn't seem to have a ton in common with the American God's version. She's referred to in texts such as the Bible in the Old Testament, the Quran, and the Kebra Nagast. If you want to measure her reach in the form of art, that's possible, too. The Queen of Sheba appears in frescoes created in the Italian Renaissance and in sculptures and stained glass in cathedrals. But where did her story begin? One constant comes up among the varying tales about her. The Queen of Sheba visited King Solomon. The story of her making, the king's acquaintance, is included in the Bible, specifically in Kings. And this is how the text reads. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue 
with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. So she wanted to test Solomon's wisdom herself because she was too sensible to believe uh, hearsay. Sheba was surprised to learn his wisdom and prosperity surpassed what she'd heard on the streets. Maybe she posed riddles to Solomon. Maybe she asked about how he ruled or about the Lord. We don't know her hard questions covered. It's possible the queries were about trade and that she actually went with the intention of building a partnership between them. From this original story in the Bible, speculation about the Queen of Sheba grew. PBS explains that from contextual evidence and educated guesses based on possible sources of the gifts Sheba brought to Solomon, scholars estimate she was from what is now known as Ethiopia and Yemen. Both places in the Red Sea region claim her. Ethiopian tomes state she procreated with Solomon and therefore kicked off that dynasty. That account also states Solomon summoned her because he heard Sheba's kingdom wasn't worshipping God. The various accounts of Sheba, regardless of how they end or what role Solomon plays in them, have an important common thread. The Queen of Sheba was an intelligent, bold, and powerful monarch. She questioned. She sought answers. She didn't come to Solomon to instantly submit herself and her people. She swept in as his equal, which you see those similar traits in Bilquis. Now, the catch is... Uh, Bilquis exists through the magic of folklore and belief, like the character inspired by her in American Gods. There's no archaeological evidence yet that has been uncovered to support any of the stories about or the existence of the Queen of Sheba. Huh. Interesting. Very interesting. So that's a little bit more information on where Bilquis comes from in the mythos. So right now it's the time on our podcast to select the MVP, the most valuable player, the character that impressed you the most. And uh, you have to explain why this character impressed you, why they are your MVP. And the rule is simple. If someone chooses a character, that character is no longer choosable. So we're going to start off with ladies first, as Queen Latifah would say. Priscilla, who's your MVP and why? Oh, thank goodness. I I didn't want mine to be taken away. I loved Audrey. Like, I thought... For such a small role like in the book like it's it's not much of anything like she took it and like made me remember her this episode she made me remember like what the pastiche of grief and love and anger and hatred and bitterness like that cocktail what it would mesh and become in a person and how like utterly like rude and awful she is in the in in the funeral until like you kind of put the pieces together and realize yes like she she has a right to be this messy because they 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 they, they've done her wrong and although what she thinks of doing cheating on is it really even considered cheating that no contract is null and void uh-huh. Well, 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 there you go. 
desecrating a, like a grave that way. Like, it, although it's you can see it is justifiable, it's also wrong. Like they managed to make it, it like in a way that makes you feel for the character, and I loved that about her. So this this my MVP definitely goes out to Audrey. So I'm gonna go next because I have a feeling Derek is gonna take mine, and I I have to have this MVP for this first episode. So apologies to Derek, but I, Bill Quiss, I I just have to like Yatide Bakat Badaki, Yatide Badaki as Bill Quiss. She owned all of that, and it was only like maybe a five to seven minute scene. And she just was phenomenal in those uh, seven minutes. What could have been, as what Priscilla said, like something very hokey and cartoony and kind of weird looking was very creepy and sexy and intense and batshit crazy, for lack of a better word. It, Yeah, Bilquis, for all those reasons and so much more, Bilquis is my MVP. So, Derek, who's your MVP and why? I ain't got one, because you took mine. And you knew you was taking it. That's why you went before me. Yes, I had to. You have to uh, choose. Um, The gold coin, because it was shiny and new. And old at the same time. And it's going to show up again later on, I'm sure. And everybody remembers it. That was my MVP. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Shout out to Tamara Anderson. With a little bit of bitterness, which I approve. I like it. Courtney, who's your MVP and why? Um, It would be... Is it Technical Boy? Yes. Yeah. Yes, that is who my MVP would be because I felt like he was... He did a really good job. I still kind of was just like... The acting-wise of it, I feel like I look at the um, characters more like that, too, as well, just because I mean, I'm in California, I'm an actor, and so I, I saw just the way he did his thing, and uh, he did a really great job. I liked it. I liked the scene. I liked the play. It was the most, it was the most um, vivid, and he did a really good job not letting that overwhelm him. He basically was it, so I really liked his character. Prince, what about you? Who's your MVP and why? Um, I'm going with Mr. Mad Sweeney. One, because um, I loved him as Porn Stash on Orange is New Black. So I just love him as an actor anyways. Pablo um, Homeboy. And also, I'm like, I just loved how it was like he's like, you know, dude, don't get with the stereotypes, like, not all leprechauns are, like, short midgets, and he had, like, you know, the whole, he's, like, a badass, he's, like, a badass leprechaun, yes, he is, he's, like, that's what it was, he's, like, I like that he's a badass leprechaun, so now we're gonna use our coins to rate the episode from one to ten, the point system is allowed, and, uh, if you deem this episode worth more than 10, worthy of more than 10, you may grant it the coveted golden coin. Derek, you are first. How many coins will you give this episode? This is really difficult. I'm going to give this 
eight coins. And here's why I'm not giving it ten. Because it's the first episode and I need I can't start off with giving you ten. Because then you don't have nowhere else to go. Um, if this was the fourth episode, the fifth episode, I'd be more than happy, more than comfortable to say, oh yeah, this is easily a 10. But because it's the first episode and I need you to, and, and I know you're just laying groundwork, I need you to be able to go up. So I'm going to go with a eight coin. All right. I like that. So I'm going to go next and I'm going to give it nine coins for a similar reason to Derek, but because I was so impressed with the episode, I, I can't give it eight. Like I have to give it nine because that just makes more sense for me. I can't give it a ten either, because uh, then you know what's to differentiate from you know another episode in the future. You just be passing out tens left and right. Exactly. Don't mean anything. Exactly. But I did thoroughly enjoy the episode a lot. Like in my heart this this nine is a ten, but I just can't give it. Uh, I thought it was wonderfully acted. I thought the effects were really good. Uh, I loved all like the supernatural uh, type of stuff like like the weird and freaky stuff that brian fuller is like usually good at like the fantasy sequences and all that kind of stuff really was impressive and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing uh, where this story goes so uh, this episode gets nine coins from me priscilla what about you how would you rate this episode yeah i'm completely down with both both with what both of you guys said i would give it a nine but not necessarily because like it's perfect, but like I, I expect more growth. There's a couple of things that like could have used like some tweaking. Like I feel like there are bits of it that like dragged on that like at the very end of the episode I'm like, okay, so are you gonna give me more? Like what's like I, I felt like that with a couple of scenes. And although I, I love the Bilquist scene that bit at the end where like the head just co- co- sort of whoop, like up there like that looked a little weird like I, I don't know if there was any way you could have saved that there's no way that would have not looked weird <laughs> <laughs> it's just I, I'm just gonna dock a point off for that like it's but other other than that it was a, it was a solid episode gr- a great introduction t- into American gods like will you like this show or not Give it the first episode and let let yourself decide. Yeah, I completely agree. Courtney, how would you rate this episode? The first episode, I would definitely give it an eight and a half, nine. Because it was the first episode, they grabbed your attention. The opening scene was beautiful and really well done. And they did a fantastic job. I really liked it. I give it, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to say I'm going to give it a nine. That's what I'm going to give it. What about you, Prince? How would you rate uh, this episode, the season premiere? I'm going to go with an eight and a half. Like I said, it drew my attention enough that I know I'm going to watch the next episode. But, like, it wasn't like one of those, it wasn't like, empire when it first came out like the first episode of like empire where i'm like oh god like i'm hooked like i'm not there yet with it but like i can see myself getting hooked to a show like this 
All right. So join us next time for a brand new installment of Gifts from the Gods. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through iTunes. Just search for Gifts from the Gods and subscribe. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gifts from the gods. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Thanks, announcer, co-hosts, those that survived. Wish the listeners a good night. Bye, guys. Have a good night. Good night, guys. Deuces. Good night. Good night, listeners. I guess that'll be our thing to see who gets sacrificed by the gods by the end of each podcast. I know, right? Bill Quist will be young and bountiful throughout this entire season. All right. Thanks for tuning in, listeners. Download new episodes of Gifts from the Gods every Tuesday via iTunes and the Papichula Radio Archives. Good night. <laughs>